0: Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's
1: show, our Remembrance Day special. Up first, you may have seen beautiful banners around the city commemorating young boys and men from Winnipeg who died serving our country. We'll speak with Letty Lawrence, who made the nearly 900 banners about this inspirational project.
0: Then, the Memorial to the Winnipeg Rifles at Vimy Ridge Park got an expansion and renovation just in time for this weekend's Remembered Stay Ceremony. We'll speak with Ray Crabb, president of the Royal Winnipeg Rifles Foundation, and John Robin... John Robbins, retired lieutenant colonel, to learn about the renovation as well as a sneak peek at this weekend's ceremony. Then
1: we'll learn about a new play from Theatre Projects Manitoba set during the Great War in 1914. Mary's wedding debuted last night, and Theatre Projects Manitoba's artistic director, Ardith Boxall, will join us in studio to tell us all about it.
0: And finally, Sonny Promolo went to check out the unveiling of Transcona Museum's exhibit, Remember and Reflect, which is held at Kildonan Place Shopping Centre earlier this week. We'll hear from the École Centrale Lunchtime Choir, who is in attendance, and learn about the exhibit from curator Alana Horeda.
1: We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on this special Remembrance Day episode of River City 360.
0: Hello and welcome to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here. Robert Zirk over there. Robert, how are you doing this fine day? I'm doing not too bad, Nolan. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. It's always, it's a, it's an interesting time, Remembrance Day, week, weekend, week and weekend. Uh, it's it's a time to reflect and a time to think about the past and, and remember those who served. And it's just kind of a somber but inspirational and Im- important week, I think.
1: Absolutely. It's important to... Take a step back and pay tribute to uh, to those who made so many sacrifices, and some the ultimate sacrifice, um, just so that we can enjoy the lives and the freedoms that we have today.
0: Just so we can record and and broadcast this beautiful show on CJNU ninety three point seven FM, right? And do all, everything we want to do here in the city and here in, ca- in our country. So uh, thank you to all who served and uh, lest we forget when we'll always remember. The show is all about Remembrance Day. Uh, up first, a really cool conversation with a very wonderful woman, uh, Letty Lawrence, who... Uh, has decided to, to do this really cool project. You, you may have seen all of these uh, cloth banners that have been hung up on light posts and trees all, all throughout the city. There's, There's one. one right at the corner of my street. They're, same same yeah. with me. And what they what they are are just little stories about people who lived in that neighborhood, um, whether they were from the First World War or or the Second, and just people who gave their lives, typically the ultimate sacrifice, as you said, Robert, for... Uh, for this country, and it tells a little story about who they were, um, where they lived, and what they did in the service. So it's a really cool thing. If you've seen these banners around, stay tuned, because uh, it's a really nice conversation with Letty. That's happening. Uh, where She's going to be joining us via telephone right after this, but um, we always kick the show off with a song, and I think this week you got some Remembrance Day sort of theme songs for us as well? Yeah,
1: we've got some that, uh, that are sort of within the general spirit of Remembrance Day, and we're going to start things off with Paul McCartney and Pipes of Peace right here on River City 360. I lied again.
0: Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and we are now joined by Letty Lawrence. Um, You may have noticed handmade banners that are placed all over the city, um, typically with a little story and a picture of a poppy all around Winnipeg. These banners honour the fallen soldiers from previous world wars and previous wars, and there are nearly 900 all throughout Winnipeg's neighbourhoods. Letty, you are the person behind these banners. Thank you for joining us uh, via telephone right now.
2: Oh, Thank you very much.
0: So what 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 inspired this ambitious and very inspirational project?
2: Um, well, I've had an interest in the First World War for quite a long time, um, but I was in Australia in 2013, and they were doing a poppy project to commemorate the Gallipoli landings. So when I came back to Winnipeg, I thought, well, what are we doing here? And I wanted to take a different focus rather than just having lots of poppies, I wanted to try and bring the focus onto the individuals. So I came up with the idea of doing these banners, putting them up as close to the address, either where they lived or their loved ones lived. Um, so taking it out into the communities and you know, hopefully getting people to read them, learn a little bit about maybe the house that they're living in, or perhaps relatives will see or hear about them.
0: I, I there's one right outside my apartment on Jesse Avenue, and I've actually had multiple friends se- t- send me pictures of them and say, hey, you should find out more about this, because you know, this would be a great story for the radio show. So first of all, thank you for doing it. It's an amazing, uh, it's amazing project. How, what has the response been from people that you've seen, or have you watched people reading them? Do they know it's you, or what's the response yeah, been? Well,
2: when I'm out putting them up, it's surprising how many people come over. First, they're curious, what is this you're putting up, because It isn't just a paper thing for a concert or something like that. And then when I explain the project and they read through the banner, I've had people give me hugs, um, people who've said, you know, this is a wonderful thing to do. It's just been an overwhelming good response to it. I've had uh, relatives contact me to ask if I had put up a banner for one of their fallen and oh, I should clarify, these are for the fallen just from World War I, from the okay. First World War. Okay.
0: Gotcha. So, have you ever done anything like this before, like any big projects like this or, or sort of public? I've never done displays? anything this
2: big. Um, most of my fiber art has been smaller. Okay. Um, and I don't know how this ended up becoming so big. <laughs> 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 um, and then I thought, well, am I going to be able to carry this out? And I've had a really good response from friends. Especially hanging up the banners, Um, they'll say, "Do you need to go out today? Um, Can I go with you?"
0: It's probably a lot of legwork, I would imagine, running all all around town. How how long did it take you all in to to bank these and to put them all up? And it's got to be hundreds of hours.
2: Oh yes, well, and I started researching the individuals two years ago. Oh wow! Because I use the National Archives online, and Veterans Affairs has the Canadian Virtual War Memorial online. And there's also the Canadian Great War Project. So I had to research all of them because I wanted to not have, you know, an extensive biography, but at least have something about them. Mm -hmm. So if I could find out their profession, if they were married, um, their age. I just had one the other day that I thought, oh, this is one we know when he died, but we don't even know his age when he was born.
0: Wow. So what do you, like, I mean, you, you, you said people are walking up to you and hugging you. I mean, when I read, you, you can't help but feel an em, feel a strong emotion and, and a thankfulness and a gratitude to these people who gave their lives for our freedom. But what do you hope personally that people walk away with when they read one of these uh, stories and one, one of these banners?
2: Well, I wanted them to recognize that these are people just like your friends and neighbors and family today. Um just like, you know, your neighbor down the way that you may talk to every other morning. These are the kind of people who went away uh, to this horrible war and didn't come back.
0: Yeah. Did you have any family connections with this, or was there a personal connection for why you wanted to do something like this?
2: No, my um, grandparents on my father's side were refugees from the war. They fled Lithuania uh, when the Russians went in. And my grandparents on my mother's side, um, he was considered too old to okay, go. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, are you so? What's the plan for the future? Are you going to keep these on display in t- for for the whole month, or and what what's going to happen after after Remembrance Day?
2: Well, after Remembrance Day, they're staying up until the end of the year. Okay. Because nice. I also wanted to emphasize that even though the war ended on November 11th, it didn't end for the families who lost someone. And a lot of these individuals died after November 11th as well. They were suffering from the effects of gas. Uh, Their lungs were deteriorating. They had injuries that they never recuperated from and died from that. And then after the end of the year, we're going around to take them all down, and they're going to be donated to the Army-Navy Air Force uh, Rockwood Unit 303. And they'll be joined with, because... Um, I also made poppies, and then some friends decided they were going to help me make poppies. They're all handmade poppies. Those are on display at the Blankstein Gallery at the Millennium Library, and each poppy has a hand-torn tag with it identifying an individual with an address and an age.
0: Beautiful. So that's on display now at the Millennium
2: Library? Yes, that's on display for the month of November
0: very cool so for anyone out there listening that hasn't seen these banners get out into your neighborhoods and just kind of keep an eye out They're they're sort of posted on light posts and all throughout the city and every single one is a unique story and uh, it's a really cool thing that you did for the city and uh thank you for talking to me today about it letty we really appreciate your time
1: oh thank you thanks nolan we're continuing our discussions surrounding Remembrance Day on RC360 today, and up next we have a great story about the Royal Winnipeg Rifles Memorial at Vimy Ridge Park. There's been a facelift to the memorial just in time for this weekend's ceremony, and Nolan went for a little tour of the park with retired Lieutenant Colonel John Robbins and President of the Royal Winnipeg Rifles Foundation Ray Crabb to learn all about it. We'll take you along for the tour after our next musical break. But before we get to that, though, here is the Spitfire Band with Sentimental Journey right here on River City 360. The Spitfire Band with Sentimental Journey. You are listening to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today and. Earlier this week, Nolan, I understand you had a chance to meet two gentlemen at Vimy Ridge Park to check out a new renovation and expansion to the Royal Winnipeg Rifles Memorial that's placed there.
0: That is correct, sir. I spoke with uh, Mr. Ray Crabb, the president of the Royal Winnipeg Rifles Foundation, as well as John Robbins, who's a retired lieutenant colonel, about the renovation as well as how people can see the new, improved memorial this weekend at their Remembrance Day ceremony. John and, and Ray, what, do, what are we looking at right now? Where are we standing?
3: We're looking at the uh, very end of the construction of um, of an expansion and renovation to the Rifles Monument, which sits in the middle of the um, of what is now the Rifles Memorial. Um, and they're just taking down the hoarding uh, and heating uh, facilities here, which were required to uh, set the stones in place. So this will be um, officially the end of, of the construction phase of, of the memorial itself. There's still a few touch-ups to take place here in... Uh, um, on the way in uh, through the entrance and so on, but this was this is ostensibly the end of it of the construction.
0: It's looking very beautiful. now, what's new as far as the renovation is concerned, and what
4: what what's been added to the uh, to the monument? Well, you see the pink granite uh, memorial there that was at the uh, uh, on the very top, and it's sitting on a gray plinth. That was all that was here before, and it was essentially sitting on on the ground. so we've uh, we've lifted that up. And all of the new uh, concrete that you see that sort of elevates the, the monument proper uh, is new. And then we, um, the Royal Winnipeg Fo- Rifles Foundation uh, uh, started a program whereby friends of the regiment, members of the regiment and so forth could buy these individual black stones that you see that are, that are uh, laid down beside the monument and General Crab can probably tell you more about that. Sure. Yeah, we, we're, we're hearing the
0: guys work in the background right now, kind of getting the last finishing touches on it, but I was looking at the black um, plaques there, and a lot of them say Friends of the Rifles or different things. What does that all mean, and, and who, who is actually uh, contributing to those plaques?
3: Yeah. The, <clears throat> first of all, the project started, as John said, with uh, simply as a fundraising uh, opportunity for the Royal Winnipeg Rifles Foundation, which was a brand-new organization at the time, and we were simply going to move remove the interlocking bricks that the um, monument was sitting on and replace them with these stones uh, in our discussions with the city that expanded to what you see here today as well as the footprint around here was significantly up- upgraded uh, in conjunction with this with the city of Winnipeg so the significance of the uh, stones are we call them legacy stones and there are two types they're individual legacy stones that were purchased by individuals as a uh, to establish a legacy and a memory if you like of of uh, uh... for their service or the service of a relative or a loved one or a friend uh... and there are corporation stones which were purchased by corporations to i think to demonstrate their support for um, canada's military and specifically the royal winnipeg rifles so you see those on the lower uh... platform are the uh... corporation stones and on the upper platform there are the um, uh... individual stones and interspersed amongst the individual stones are the battle on, we call them the battle honor stones which represents the battles in which the regiment fought throughout its 135 years of uh, of, of history, um, to as a tribute to those who uh, fought and died in those battles.
0: What I was reading the plaque
4: earlier, and it said "Little Black Devils." What's the significance of that nickname? So, during the Northwest Rebellion th- in, in 1885, this was one of the first uh, conflicts that the regiment uh, participated in. Now we're going back to the days when soldiers mostly wore red uniforms and one side would stand on the field of battle and shoot at the other side uh, on the field of battle. Uh, In North America that didn't work so well as the Americans found out to their dismay during the revolution. Um, Anyway the tactics evolved. Uh, The rifle was invented and now soldiers were starting to uh, hide behind things, taking cover behind a rock or, or, or a, a tree or, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And there's not much point in wearing a red tunic if you're trying to hide behind something. So they started wearing dark green or what we call rifle green uh, uniforms. From a distance to uh, uh, the, uh, the Métis whom we were fighting in those years, the uniforms looked black and they said the red coats we know being the northwest mounted police and the artillery and the royal canadian regiment and and others but who are those little black devils so this was um taken up by the media in the day uh, it was put in the uh in the papers back here at at home and it was eventually get gazetted uh... In London, England, and we were given the motto named by the enemy in battle. Wow, very cool.
0: Um, so I'm told that this is all going to be kind of finished up today, and people will be joining you for a ceremony on November the 10th. Can you speak a little bit about what's going to be happening uh, that day, and, and what people can expect?
3: Yeah, there are three things. Uh, first of all, we're commemorating 135 years of service by uh, the Royal Winnipeg Rifles to, to the service in the service of Canada. And secondly, uh, 100 years since the end of World War I. Um, so those are two very, very significant uh, events um, in, the, in the history of the Royal Winnipeg Rifles. So the, the intent of the uh, commemoration is to celebrate those two events, and we'll do that by unveiling the Legacy Stones, by re-consecrating uh, the, the memorial itself, which is significant for the regiment, uh, by Reverend Johnson, who is uh, referred to as the regimental padre, um, and then, se- and then, thirdly, we will uh, rededicate the regiment to the service of Canada, and that will be led by our honorary Colonel Emma em- 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 sathner So, those are the three kind of primary functions of uh, what, what will will occur here. Um, we're, we'll have the uh, battalion will be on parade along with the cadets representing the youth of the country, and the Royal Winnipeg Rifles band. Um, the La- lieutenant governor is our guest of honor, uh, along with Mayor Bowman, uh, who've made a, the city of obviously made a very significant contribution to getting this done.
0: Um, so, what time can people show up on the 10th, and, and uh, where should they go?
3: Uh, they can show up at uh, the, the service starts at 10:30 with the arrival of the lieutenant governor, and prior to that, there'll be arrival of the um, of the of Mayor Bowman and others. Uh, so, they can come here. It's open to the public. Uh, there will be limited seating but certainly, people are welcome to stand. The ceremony should last about 40 40 to 45 minutes, so people are certainly welcome. We'd uh, love to see as many out as possible.
0: Anything you guys would like to add about the Winnipeg Rifles or about this beautiful monument?
4: Well, what I should say is that the monument, the the Pink Granite Monument, was first erected in 1992, and it was erected to the memory of uh, our soldiers who were uh, killed in the Second World War. Uh, And... And you'll see on the, on the far side from where we're standing that the, the, um, the names of those soldiers who were murdered uh, in the Second World War were, were, uh, are, is, is all, are also engraved.
0: Yeah, I was reading a couple of the other monuments on the other side, too, and it has every single name. And then there's also a book that has been implanted in the base of the
4: statue. I thought that was really interesting. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We had over four, 500 killed in the, in the Second World War. Uh, And now we need to find a way of of, uh, remembering the names of those of our uh, First World War comrades who who, uh, gave their lives. Unfortunately, there were so many of them. A couple thousand? Uh, Just under 2,000. Just under 2,000 who were killed. And so we just don't have enough room on this monument. So that's a project for another day. For
0: sure. Well, it's beautiful. Um, I'm excited to see the final project in... in And yeah. so is. Yeah, how can I? Uh, this is I can edit this. Um, and you were meant, you, before we started recording. You were talking about a time capsule. Tell me a little bit about that.
4: So the time capsule is going to be uh, buried just at the end of this uh, garden feature here, coming off of uh, Portage Avenue. Uh, and uh, this was an idea that was um, created by the uh, Royal Winnipeg Rifles Association. They thought that there should be some things there that speak. To future riflemen about what was going on today. So we're going to have a little ceremony uh, next week. Uh, the time and it'll be a, a, a little ceremony. Uh, uh, the time capsule will go in into the ground. It'll thi- contain things like uh, regimental coin, letters from the uh, uh, commanding officer, the honorary colonel, and, and uh, other significant documents. Uh, regimental history. Um, it will. Um, It'll be buried and then what we're calling our acknowledgement stone will be emplaced on top of the time capsule. So 40 years from now, uh, that will be, uh, we hope, unveiled or at least recovered by the soldiers who put it into the ground in the first place. It won't be me or General (laughs) Crabbe. You never know. These days, who knows, right? Well, it's very cool. It's an
0: amazing story, and it's great to keep that part of our history alive for generations to come. So thank you for uh, meeting me here today, and uh, we'll see you on the 10th as well.
3: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thanks.
4: Thanks very much, Nolan.
1: Thanks, Nolan. Coming up next, we'll be joined in studio by Ardith Boxall. She's the artistic director at Theatre Projects Manitoba, and just last night they launched their new show, Mary's Wedding, which is set back during the Great War in 1914. She'll tell us all about the show, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Before we get to that interview, though, here is Vera Lynn with The White Cliffs of Dover, right here on River City 360.
5: There'll be blue birds Over The white Cliffs of Dover Tomorrow Just you Wait And see There'll be Tomorrow When the world is free The shepherd will tend his sheep The valley will bloom again And Jimmy will go to sleep White cliffs of Dover Tomorrow Just you wait and see The shepherd will tend his sheep The valley will bloom again Jimmy will go to sleep in his own little room again There'll be blue birds over the white cliffs of Dover Tomorrow just you wait
0: Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and we're now joined in studio by Ardith Boxell. She's the Artistic Director for Theatre Projects Manitoba. Ardeth, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So the new show, Mary's Wedding, just launched last night. Uh, it's going to be running till Sunday, November 18th. Uh, give me just a little bit of a breakdown about what people are going to expect had they been at the opening night last night, and what uh, what they can expect.
6: Absolutely. Mary's Wedding uh, is a, a beautiful Canadian play written by Stephen Massacott. He is a very successful Canadian playwright, and this play is one of the most produced Canadian plays in the last 20 years. He's had productions of Mary's Wedding around the world and certainly an enormous number of productions around North America. It's a play that is set in 1914 at the brink of the Great War. And, of course, uh, 2018 marks the centenary of the end of the Great War. Mm. So it's it's sort of an... An important year, and, and, and we're doing this show partly to honor that anniversary, that centenary. And this November 11th, of course, then, is the 100th anniversary of Armistice Day. Okay. So, and this, this play is set on the Canadian prairies in a small town. And it's a war story, but it's a very personal, told through a very personal lens. It's a love story about two young prairie folks and how the impact of the Great War uh, affects them for the rest of their lives.
0: Why is this, why is this so produced and so um, performed so frequently? What do you think resonates with people that makes it this popular? I, I
6: think it's, it's, um, it's highly relatable to all ages because it is a story of young love. Um, and it's the story of separation and it's the story of regret, and I just mm. think that those themes very are very universal. They're very universal, and there really is um, nothing quite like watching uh, the the birth of love on stage. Mm. You know, and uh, uh, even if even a hundred years ago, um, you know, so it's in a way it's a period piece now because of that time span. But at the same time, it's very immediate because right. it's still we still know what that what that mm-hmm. feels like, and how we express love, how we withhold love, mm. and what happens when forces uh, that are beyond our control interfere with that love. For sure. Uh, so it's it's very moving and powerful, and also it's it's just two actors. Wow. And they do everything, and it's fundamentally a beautiful. Exp- uh, expression of storytelling at its at its best right minimal Raw, props right? minimal uh, uh there's no video projection mm-hmm. there's no bells and whistles but what there is 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 an incredible amount of skill and storytelling on the stage where theater it kind of shines its brightest Absolutely. you know Absolutely.
0: so you were mentioning before we started recording that uh You've already, last night was the opening night, but this play has been sort of toured around the interlake. Tell me about that process and what, in addition to the show, what else was happening over there?
6: Um, Yes, it's been very exciting. We've been up in the interlake for the last month with something we call the Interlake Chautauqua Tour.
0: And Chautauqua, and Chautauqua, what,
6: Chautauquas yeah. were <laughs> I know uh, uh, in the early 19, late 1800s, early 1900s, there was a traveling band of artists. It was um, it was a commercial venture, but artists would travel through North America and even up through Canada, particularly through Western Canada, even Manitoba. Um, and they would roll into a small town and they would set up their giant tents, there would be lectures performances recitals um, open-air painting classes um, science experiments you name it it was like it was like the world would come to a town like an
0: art traveling artistic circus on
6: absolutely absolutely with with the with the motivation of of making sure that that, that more isolated communities had a way of connecting mm. to art and to politics and to uh, history to everything cool. right. And now in our, in our digital age, of course, we can do that through the portal of that is our computer and our, our computer screen. Uh, and yet we just felt that um, rural communities have less access to the richness that, mm-hmm. that, that we have in the city to access and that, artistic. And that
0: face-to-face interaction too, right?
6: It's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, so we asked four different communities to, to, to form host committees And we brought the show there. So Mary's wedding would come. We would do a performance in the high school and a performance in a community hall. But we also taught drama in the schools. We had student senior dances where the seniors taught the teens had to do old time dances. Oh, that's awesome. We had country pride playing live. Wow. Um, we uh, did rug braiding, storytelling workshops. Wow.
0: So we this were this is a week long or a day a whole or, okay, week, okay, and cool. we lived
6: with people in the community. Wow. They hosted us. Uh, we ate with them. We created stories with them. We put them on stage in cabarets. So we we've had an incredibly powerful uh, four weeks. What an opportunity
0: which, for for both sides, right? Yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah. Cool. I think it's the beginning of something maybe quite, quite extraordinary. What were the four
0: uh, areas that you visited?
6: Yes, we went we, week number one. We were in Steep Rock, okay. which is up uh, Lake Manitoba okay, near cool. Ashern Probably and Moosehorn. Country, I'm yeah, like. yeah, uh, very different. The two sides of the, like the the east side of the Interlake and the west side of the Interlake are quite different, mm-hmm. you know. So up Highway Six, we were in Steep Rock, Moosehorn, Ashern, Gypsumville, Fairford, Ericsdale, Lundar. Um, and then we were in Arburg, Riverton, Peguis, and we were in Toulon,
0: Fraserwood, Gimli. We were, we
6: were everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> We've
0: been everywhere, man. Very cool. So I'm imagining then that, uh, Mary's wedding is tight and the performance is yeah. just exactly where it needs to be. Right. Yeah. So yeah. If people are listening out there right now and want to see this show that's mm-hmm. running till Sunday, November 18th. Where can they find more information?
6: They can go to the Theatre Projects Manitoba website, which is just theatreprojectsmanitoba.ca. Um, they can also call the Theatre Projects office if they, if they prefer to do it the old-fashioned way uh, at 989-2400. Um, and the show is at the Rachel Brown Theatre.
0: Awesome. So nine eight nine two four zero zero, or you can visit theaterprojectsmanitoba.ca. Um Before I let you go, I'll ask you one more question. What What do you hope people walk out of the theater with after they watch Mary's Wedding? What 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 do you hope that they uh, reflect upon?
6: I hope I hope that their experience. Um, you know, it's 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 always a great responsibility to take people into a story about great loss and pain. And, it, and again, as I said, it is a war story, but it is a story about resilience mm. and about rebuilding and about hope. So I guess on the one hand, to remember, as we are always to do at this time of year, the great, not just the great sacrifices from our, our world conflicts, but the impact those sacrifices had on individual human beings, because it is mm-hmm. a very intimate, personal story. The human side of it. And it is the right. human side. Very cool. and the power of live theater again to do that.
0: It's huge. Well, that's taking place November 7th to 18th. Last night was opening night, so if you missed that, there's still plenty of opportunities and what better than Remembrance Week to kind of tell that story and experience that time at uh, at Theater Projects Manitoba. So Arta, thank you very much for joining us today. Arthur Boxell is the artistic director for Theater Project Projects Manitoba and Mary's Wedding is running until Sunday, November 18th. Thanks so much Great. for Great. Thank
6: here. you so much.
1: Thanks, Nolan. Thank you again to Ardith Boxel and everyone over at Theatre Projects Manitoba for the generous giveaway, and we hope the show has a wonderful
0: run. Coming up next on River City 360, Sonny Primolo has a piece where earlier this week he went out to check out the unveiling of Transcona Museum's exhibit, Remember and Reflect, which is held at Kildonan Place Shopping Centre. He spoke with curator Al- Alana Hareda about the exhibit and we're going to learn all about it after our next musical break, which is the Boston Pops Orchestra with Intermezzo right here on River City 360.
7: Thank you for listening to River City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo, and today I'm at Kildonan Place Shopping Centre to check out Remember and Reflect, War Efforts of Transcona, presented by the Transcona Museum. With me today to talk on this is Alana Hereda, who is the curator for the exhibit. Welcome to the show.
8: Thank you very much for having me.
7: What will people be able to see here?
8: The exhibit, we have it two-folded. Our exhibit is two-sided, so the first side, when you first come in from the main doors of the mall, is telling Transcona's story uh, during World War One. So the founding of the community to uh, significant battles during World War One, home front, home efforts uh, that took part in Transcona, and then after the war, what Transcona was like. And on the second side, we're telling the story of World War Two Again, soldiers, significant battles, uh, what it was like on the home front, uh, when people came back, but we also have information about Korea and Afghanistan and ongoing conflicts as well. It's 100 years from the end of World War One. So on November 11th this year, it'll be 100 years when the war ended.
7: And what kind of role did Transcona play in these wars?
8: Pretty significantly, actually. During World War One, the paint shop at... The Transcona shops was turned into a munitions factory where they built 18 pound shells. There was a lot of home front um, efforts that went on during World War II. There was the Cordae plant, which was set up just outside of Transcona, which employed a lot of Transconians that built, again, munitions for World War II. Canada's only armored train was constructed in Transcona as well not to mention the over 400 men who enlisted in World War One and over 800 men and women who enlisted in World War Two. So Transcona played a very significant part during both World Wars.
7: What made Transcona Museum decide to bring this exhibit here to Kaldonan Place Shopping Center?
8: We have done a Remembrance Week exhibit um, even before I started working at the museum 11 years ago. So we're continuing the tradition of presenting Transcona's history during World War I and World War II, and Korea, and, and so on. Um, after that, for I don't even know how, how far back it goes, but we have been doing it, and Kildonan Place is amazing. We have center court. We're able to reach so many more people here at the museum with our traveling exhibits than if we just did something in-house at the museum which we always have in-house remembrance displays, but bringing something to the people has been very successful.
7: From what I see here, you have a few artifacts. Can you tell me about those artifacts?
8: Yes. Um, what we're doing with the artifacts is highlighting Transcona's home efforts, or the things that people were doing at home during World War One and World War Two. So we actually have one of the shells from the 18-pound shell um, shop. We have a piece of fence and sign from the cordite plant. We have scrapbooks that Transconians cut out, um, you know, articles and pictures from the newspaper, uh, indicating, you know, who from Transcona enlisted, went overseas, is missing, killed in action. We have things from the War Efforts Committee, which raised funds for Transcona soldiers. Cards from soldiers sent back to the War Efforts Committee, thanking them for the care packages that they received. So we have some of those items on display at the moment.
7: For those that want to see that, they can definitely check it out. But can you tell us, uh, how long is this exhibit until?
8: The exhibit is running from November 5th to November 11th during mall hours. So when the mall closes on November 11th, that's when we're taking down the exhibit.
7: For those that are interested in history about Transcona, where can they go?
8: Well, you could definitely come to the museum. We're located at 141 Region Avenue West. You could also check out our website, uh, www.transconamuseum.mb.ca. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all Transcona Museum.
7: Thanks again, Alana. Before we go, we're going to send you off with École Centrale Lunchtime Choir.
1: Thanks again to Senior Producer here at River City 360, Sonny Primolo, for that great conversation. We've got some time for some more music before we say goodbye today, so here is Ben McPeak with Peace Train, right here on River City 360.
0: Thank you for listening to River City 360. That was Ben McPeak with Peace Train on RC360's Remembrance Day special happening all day today.
1: And we've got time for one more song before we say goodbye today. So here is Acrobilk with As Time Goes By, right here on River City 360.
0: That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well.
1: If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us at rivercity360.org. Again, that's
0: rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM.
1: And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show. If you'd like to comment on anything you've heard on today's show, if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future show, or if there's a song that you'd like to hear during a future program, please give us a call. We would love to hear from you. Our number is 204- 944-9474 extension 360 Again, the number to call 204-944-9474 extension 360
0: You can also find us on the web on Twitter at RiverCity360 and on Facebook by searching at ri- by just searching RiverCity360 as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360
1: And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Oh, mm-hmm.